Welcome to the ESPR podcast Inside Conflict with Moritz Ehrmann. So welcome uh, to the second part of ESPR's podcast Inside Conflict, focusing uh, today on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Um, and I'm here uh, with Ofer Salzberg, uh, Jeff Sol, and Dr. Carlo Aldrovandi. Um, very good to have you back. Um, in this uh, second part, um, we would focus a bit on what uh, the, this uh, sort of uh, interesting situation of this heterogeneous uh, government that uh, now uh, exists in Israel um, would mean uh, for broader sort of uh, peacemaking uh, related questions uh, related to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Um, Jeff, would you like to go first? Sure. Uh, well, I think the first thing that has to be acknowledged is, you know, the story is still unfolding and it remains to be seen. Um, one of the things that seems uh, hopeful from my perspective uh, is that this is a potential moment in which a, a, a sort of uh, recognition of something that uh, the, the need to address something that has not been as fully addressed in prior efforts to resolve the conflict. Most of the prior peace processes, any student of them knows, uh, were very much sort of uh, led by secular elements, uh, very political, top-down, if you will, sort of efforts to, uh, to resolve the conflict. It's not as if there wasn't some effort made to engage religious actors, religious communities, important checks and rabbis and whatnot, but, uh, but it was relatively thin. And I think a, a, a much deeper and more sustained effort to engage actors coming from diverse worldview perspectives, uh, the ways in which these worldviews influence the politics of the region, um, and, uh, and an effort really to make, uh, to, to try to find an agreement that works, uh, for these diverse communities within their own perspectives is, is, uh, what's needed. And we sort of see that happening within the context of this new government, potentially, uh, whether this transfers to a future peace process, uh, who knows, but I hope so. Yeah, of course it's to be hoped for, um, Maybe offer turning to you, and uh, because also this concept of worldviews was was mentioned so much already in the previous uh, part where we discussed about uh, the government more broadly. Um, could you perhaps uh, go into a little into the question a little bit of what uh, of what this means, uh, sort of generally speaking, uh, and what does it mean also uh, related to the Israeli-Palestinian uh, conflict? Yes, right. Um... In a way, worldviews can differ in terms of um, the different values uh, that they uh, include, in terms of the hierarchy between these values, uh, in terms of which uh, set of laws they are based on, uh, in terms of uh, their horizon, uh, do they have an eschatology, some kind of uh, political vision they are aspiring towards. Uh, so a worldview in the Israeli-Palestinian context, it could be a Muslim Brotherhood worldview, it could be a religious Zionist worldview, it could be a secular Zionist worldview, it could be a U.S. evangelical worldview, and so on and so forth. 
And within these worldviews, there are discussions as well. There are all kinds of uh, strands and disagreements. Um, fundamentally, Israeli, as, as Jeff uh, already indicated, um, Israeli-Palestinian peacemaking so far was, for, for the most part, anchored within a single worldview, uh, a more liberal, secular worldview with all kinds of premises, notably a reliance exclusively on international law. And uh, for many constituencies in both uh, Palestinian and Israeli society, uh, this exclusive reliance on international law, this exclusive reliance on certain uh, liberal Western values, suggested that this is not only a process to advance peace, but also a process trying to secularize and liberalize the societies. And uh, in both societies, therefore, there were people who were trying to protect uh, national identity, religious identity, their cultures. They felt that advancing these um, liberal secular projects will atomize them, will fragment them, will harm who they are. Uh, and this is, even though these are people who were keen on advancing peace. Um, so really one of the challenges for the future is uh, finding how to advance Israeli-Palestinian peacemaking in a way that coheres with several worldviews, including um, a liberal one, including a secular one, uh, but not in a way that is exclusive. If any worldview would have exclusivity, then we are going to see this intractability persist. Um, and uh, it's, too, it's too soon to say uh, in terms of whether this government will have an impact on that, but we do see that they have an incentive now to find a way to design policies in a way that coheres with several worldviews. Otherwise, they may find that their political longevity is limited. Yeah, very interesting uh, setup indeed. Um, maybe, uh, Carlo, a follow-up question, yeah. a specific one. Uh, uh, because, uh, uh, so, Ofer and Jeff, of course, referred quite a lot to uh, the religious identity that is, of course, very strong in, in, in the country. And then there's, of course, one particular uh, site that is particularly at the center of, of this uh, religious identity for both sides. So, we're talking about, uh, of course, um, Temple Mount or the Haram al-Sharif. Um, so, what... Um, would this mean, uh, so this, this whole setup that we have now discussed, uh, this, this new situation, um, what might this mean for uh, any conflict that uh, might arise again uh, around this very, this so highly symbolic uh, religious site? I think that Temple Mount Amar Sharif will remain the, the linchpin on, on, of the conflict. I don't know uh, the extent to which this new government will have an impact on that. And, but I, uh, I think it's important to, to bear in mind that uh, the Holy Esplanade, which is the neutral, the neutral term to describe <laughs> Temple Mount al-Masharif, is not only a point of friction between two communities, uh, but it has also a transnational importance, relevance, because uh, it's relevant also for the evangelical community in the U.S. Uh, as strong eschatological hopes uh, attached to the the narrative of the Third Temple, but it is also very important for the Islamic community as such. So there is also a geopolitical regional competition over, over the, the custodianship, the ownership of uh, the Arman Sharif that must be taken into account. So there are different layers that uh, make uh, the Arman Sharif Temple Mount a kind of global issue, both global and local. And uh, it's an additional layer of complexity added to the conflict. And so that requires a, a more profound, a deeper 
religious literacy to understand such a complexity. In the next segment, uh, we're going to talk about the, a bit more about sort of what does this mean for an international and maybe also regional perspective. But for now, uh, thank you very much. Subscribe to our podcast or visit the website insideconflict.com. For more information about the work of the ASPR, visit ASPR.ac.at. Until next time.